Good afternoon, world. We are here live at Excitement Radio. It is a beautiful Tuesday out here in South Florida. We're happy to be here, but I'm especially happy because I have a special guest on this Zoom call right here. I have Dr. Ruth Arumala in the building with me. She said I still sound like I'm from New York. In the building with me right now. Shout out to the doctor right here. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some like some serious things right now. But before we get into that, doctor, I would like for you to kind of give the audience a little bit of your background and, you know, where did you go to school at and stuff like that? First of all, thank you so much for having me on Excitement Radio. I am excited to be here. Yes. Um, my name is Dr. Ruth Arumala, and mm -hmm. I am a board-certified OBGYN. I really consider myself a gynecologic surgeon mm. and primary specialist. And I'm also a cosmetic surgery fellow. So what a fellow is is somebody that is going back to get more training on whatever subspecialty they are. So my plan is to become a hybrid of a cosmetic surgeon and a gynecologic surgeon. Wow. So that's what I am. That's wow. Oh, but that's what I do. That's not really what I am. <laughs> so um, I am Nigerian originally. I'm mm -hmm. Nigerian American, first generation. I'm very, very proud. As you know, Nigerians are like the proudest human beings on the face of this planet. Um, mm. And I grew up in Maryland. Um, Salisbury, Maryland is a small city um, close to Ocean City, Maryland. There's Ocean City, New Jersey. There's Ocean City, Maryland. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm from on the eastern shore of Maryland. I went to University of Maryland for undergrad. I got two degrees from there. I am a degree hoarding girl okay mm, okay so i got two degrees one in psychology and one in um genetics and then i went to um get my master's mm -hmm. uh in public health in uh, in georgia i also have a master's in health administration from unc chapel hill and then i went to med school in new jersey that's why i heard his New York uh, accent. Okay, there you go, there you go. <laughs> and then I did my OBGYN training uh -huh. in Georgetown University in D.C. And I, I consider myself a D.C. girl for mm -hmm. life. And now I live in Dallas, Texas. Um, I just closed my own practice, my first practice, my baby, I uh, where I basically had a boutique-style OBGYN practice that specialized in fibroids. Wow. Round of applause for that, man. I got to get my, what's my, um, let me get my sound effects going here because, wow, such an accomplishment right there. There we go. Oh, man, Doc. That's great. That's great, doctor. And, and that's what we're going to talk about, fibroids, because I'm a guy, so... This is going to educate me on because I'm married. I have a wife and this this will educate me as well. Uh, not only just women, but I feel like, you know, everybody needs to understand the fibroids and what's going on. So can you tell me what it is? What are fibroids? So I I'm, I'm excited to be talking about fibroids because fibroids affect most women. So okay. most women that you know on the face of this planet are going to have fibroids at some time in their life. The actual prevalence of fibroids mm -hmm. is um, 80% of black women will have fibroids by the age of 50. Wow. 70% of all women will have fibroids by the age of 50. And a lot of this is probably underrated. Mm. So we probably aren't capturing the actual numbers. So fibroids are an actual um, tumor in the muscle of the uterus. Okay. So the uterus has different parts. It has a lining on the outside. 
it has a lining on the inside and that's where baby would be on the inside uh-huh. and in between sandwich between the two layers is a muscle and though or is muscle tissue and okay. that muscle is what causes contractions when you're trying to have a baby mm-hmm. that's what causes you to feel like you're having contractions when you have your periods and your body's trying to deal with all the blood or the lining that's being shed on the inside. Right. So a fibroid is when you have a tumor in the muscle of the uterus. Mm. And it's considered a tumor and not cancer because cancer goes to other places and causes havoc. Okay. So you might hear somebody that has prostate cancer where okay. they actually find it in the bone. Or in the brains. Mm-hmm. Fibroids don't do that. Fibroids are solid tissue that don't go anywhere. They don't go into the bloodstream. They don't go into lymphatic um, fluid. They just stay there. But that doesn't mean that they are, even though we consider them benign, right, that right. doesn't mean that they don't affect women. They actually really can affect women. So, so let me ask you. So you're saying that right. a fibroid cannot become benign. Like it will only stay like that, it won't ever go. So become- it is benign. It right. doesn't go anywhere if it is a true fibroid. Okay. But you bring up a really interesting topic, mm-hmm. which is that one in 325 women who are diagnosed with fibroids actually have cancer that mimics fibroids. Oh, man. So that's why I preach that every woman that has been diagnosed with fibroids right. has to get their fibroids checked every year. Okay. Because the difference between a fibroid and this type of tumor that looks like a fibroid uh-huh. is that it grows rapidly. Mm. The, the cancer grows rapidly and fibroids grow slowly. Mm. So you're able to tell the difference. If I measured your fibroid last year and it was one centimeter, right. the next year it's 1.3 centimeters, that's a fibroid. Okay. If I, if I measured it one year and it's one centimeter... And the next year, it's five centimeters. Oh, I'm gone. Okay, so okay, that that's an interesting question. Uh, question right there. If you measure, if you have someone who came to your office and you, you saw that they have fibroids and you measured it, is it something that that you would recommend that they need to re- remove immediately? Like, can you just have the fibroid and say, okay, we're gonna monitor this, or is this something that you have to remove as soon as you find out? So that's a really big debate in the medical community right okay. now. So there's no one. So unfortunately, medicine is not solely a science. It's also an art. So there's some people that that's why second opinions, third opinions are important. Mm-hmm. Because one person, there's there's a standard of care. Okay. And then there's like, you know, the the nuances around it. So if you came to me and you had, or a woman came to me and had a one centimeter fibroid. Okay. Right? One centimeter is the tip of your finger. That's that's what a centimeter is because in America we use inches. So you might not think about what a centimeter is. So it's really small. Okay. So you could ask me, well, doc, should I take this out? Should I do anything about this? Right. It depends on several things. Number one okay. is the location of the fibroid mm. is it closer to the inside where a baby would be mm-hmm. is it sitting on the outside where the skin is or is it dead smack in the middle okay. the second thing i would consider is do you have symptoms are you bleeding heavily oh, do you okay. have pain with intercourse do you have pain with periods 
I've, have you been trying to get pregnant for 10 years and you haven't gotten pregnant? Mm. Have you tried to get pregnant for six months and you haven't gotten pregnant? Okay. So these are all com- conversations you would have to do to, to look at the nuances right. to figure out, should we take it out or should we not take it out? The one thing I want to like really beg everybody is mm-hmm. to really consider if you are, if someone recommends surgery right. and you've gotten a second opinion or maybe a third opinion and you really need surgery, which I don't think everybody needs surgery, but you really need surgery. Um, don't not do it out of fear. Okay. Be- because I say that and don't, live in denial or with your head under the sand mm-hmm. because it will continue to grow and it could when fibroids the bigger the fibroid is mm-hmm. and the more havoc it's causing and the more like the need for an emergency surgery the less we can do it with minimally invasive ways okay are there Where, are there medicines that you could take besides Going into surgery, can they take like certain medicines to maybe try to diminish the the fibroid? Yes. Okay. So that's a really good question. So the gamut of fibroid treatment is from doing nothing and just doing annual surveillance using Uh ultrasounds. Uh It goes all the way to removing a a uterus, but there's a whole host of things in between. Uh Uh-huh. Some of the medications, most of the medications are designed to reduce the amount of bleeding because mm. bleeding tends to be the thing that causes women to die from fibroids. Right. You can be anemic and you be so severely anemic that your heart stops working because so, it's overly working to pump right. no blood. Now, is that during the menstrual cycle or is it just bleeding at any time? I have women that never stop a menstrual cycle. Uh-huh. They never stop bleeding, right? Uh-huh. Remember, even if you go back to biblical times, there's right. a woman with the issue of blood. I can bet you money she mm. had fibroids. Mm. Because, you know, fibroids can cause you to bleed just with your periods, heavy, heavy bleeding. Okay. And it can obliterate your cycles where you just bleed nonstop. Right. And I'll be personal because I have shared my story quite a bit. I have fibroids mm-hmm. and I'm a fibroid specialist, right? Mm-hmm. And I bled nonstop for nine months. Wow. And I chucked it up to everything else because how dare fibroids affect me? I am the fibroid slayer. Wow. Right? <laughs> but, you know, there's, a, there's a, the power. That's why I talk about the power of denial. Because a lot of times women know that there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. and we just hide our head in the sand. Wow, nine months! That now nine months. That's crazy. And I I finally agreed that it was the fibroids causing my bleeding. Right. When I passed out after doing fibroid wow. surgery all day. Wow! Wow! So I did fibroid surgery. I started my. You know, most surgery surgery centers either start at seven and seven thirty. Mm-hmm. I start at seven because I like to finish and still have a life. If there you know go. anything about me, if you follow me on socials, you know that I have a life. No, you I look like a model. Doctor, you I look like a model, life. Doc. Okay. Doc look like a model. I'm gonna tell you right now. She looking good. <laughs> a whole life. There you go. Thank you so much. But um, I I finished my cases. So in between each case, mm-hmm. I was using more and more and more feminine hygiene products. Mm. So I was using, I was stacking up pads. I was doing all these things because I was bleeding so heavily. 
And I finished my cases and I went to change Mm -hmm. and I don't know what happened. I just felt dizzy. And then I felt someone tapping me. It was a nurse that found me there. Wow. Okay. And the next day when I went to get my blood drawn, my um, blood count was 4.7. Normal blood count is 12 and that's exponential. Less than um, 10 is considered anemic. Mm-hmm. Less than seven, we transfuse it with blood. 4.7 is almost like you don't have blood. Wow. If you do want to call in, we are live here, 305-749-6004, 305-749-6004. If you, wanna, if you have a question for the doctor, please call in. We're live here. So you are basically almost out of blood, Like if that's what you're telling me. So let me tell you that my... Um, my friends uh-huh. that are gynecologists or my friends that are doctors uh-huh. always do this every time I say that. Uh-huh. They can't believe wow. that I let myself get there, right? Right. And it's not necessarily that you let yourself get there because I had no control over it. Right. Because I had an escalation of symptoms, and that's the problem with fibroids. Mm. Fibroids can be stable because the, the nine months of bleeding were a little spotting. You know, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but what happens is that there can be a steep decline ah. with fibroids. Because sometimes what happens with fibroids that cause them to have a steep de- decline is, I should actually back up a little bit. And I'm going to be really nerdy here, but I promise you I'm going, <laughs> I, I have a destination where I'm headed. Yes. So the story of fibroids is that in nature, in like nature in general, There's a cycle of life. And the cycle of life is grow, reproduce, and die. Correct. But the fibroid cell, one cell is going to say, I'm not going to do what nature says. Mm -hmm. Nature says grow, reproduce, and die. I'm going to grow and reproduce and grow and reproduce and continue to create more of myself. Mm. So fibroids are actually considered clones. Because it's one cell that has cloned itself multiple times. But in order to continue to have this growth, it has to have recruit blood vessels to itself. There's actually a way that it recruits blood vessels to itself. Mm -hmm. And so when it recruits blood vessels to itself, it ends up having this robust growth. Okay. But if something in your life happens where it's not able to... The word that doctors use is perfuse or pull blood to itself. Mm -hmm. Then it ends up acting out. So that's why women who have fibroids during pregnancy tend to have a lot of pain. Because what has happened is now the blood vessels that would be perfusing or injecting itself to the fibroid is now perfusing an infant or a Ah, fetus. Got you, got you. And so there's less blood supply. What happens if you cut up blood supply? If you want to know, don't try this at home. Tie or something tight around one part of your body and see what happens to pass there. Right. You're going to start having pain. Correct. And that's what happens with fibroids, right? So let's say a life event happens. Mm-hmm. And so you now start having a situation where the, the fibroids don't have the blood supply that they want. Mm-hmm. It's going to try to start to die off. And dying off means that you're going to have more symptoms. It can be pain. It can be bleeding. Okay. But it's going to be an escalation of that. For me, 
it was stress of running a practice okay. and going through a breakup of an engagement. Mm. That was my stressors, right. right? That cannot be quantified. That's the problem with medicine is we don't know how to quantify how stress affects your body. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right? And so as all these things were happening, I started having more symptoms. Mm-hmm. By the time I had surgery, now whenever we do surgery and we take out the fibroids, the fibroids are cut down into tiny little pieces and we look under the microscope and see what is what happened what are, are these really fibroids for instance are they fibroids or are they this cancer that's the first thing we right look at. right that's what you check okay and then the second thing we look at is where are they degenerating degenerating means that they don't have blood supply so my fibroid, the one that was causing the issue, mm-hmm. was a degenerating fibroid, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of logical sense when you think about the story of fibroids. So I'm going to stop being a nerd now <laughs> and walk myself back to being all right with y'all. Thank you. No, thank you for that, for sharing that um, your story with us. Let me ask you, doctor. Okay, you said symptoms. Are they common sy- symptoms to this? Can women... Without even having pain, let's just say a woman who doesn't have pain or a woman who maybe has a regular menstrual, are there any symptoms that would say, indicate that, hey, you you do have a thyroid growth inside of you? Are there? So you've actually said most of the the fibroid symptoms. So the number one, overwhelmingly. Right. um, The number one symptom is heavy bleeding. Okay. Or abnormal bleeding. So what does that mean for every woman? Every woman Every single woman should have a period diary. Okay. You should be tracking your periods so that when they're off, you'll know, right? Got you, got you. And so there are lots of apps that do this. I'm going to put a shameless plug for an app that I consult for called Flow App. It's called Flow App? That is app that I prefer because it has the most features. Okay. I'm writing it down. Yes, F-L-O. Flow app. Flow app. And okay. it allows you to jot everything down, including who you had sex with, whether it was protected, whether you were horny. It's all on there. Oh, wow. Everything. Flow app sounds like a dating app, too, but go ahead. You can literally track your whole reproductive life there. Okay. And so, with that being said, you know, um, you know, okay, it's abnormal this month. Uh-huh. Should you freak out if it's abnormal the first month? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you could have anything in life because let's say you lost weight that month. Let's say you were stressed out. One month doesn't count. Right. When should you freak out? When you've had three months of abnormal periods. Okay, so three months. And then imagine going to your gynecologist and you've been tracking your periods and you show them all year. This is what I was doing. The right. last three months, look at this decline. They're going to be like, take you seriously because you've actually done the homework ah, for them. Got you, got you. So that's what that's what's great with that. Now, number two is the pain. The pain. pain with fibroids are threefold. Pain with your periods. Pain, a little bit of pain that goes away with ibuprofen or Aleve uh-huh. is normal. Okay. Anything more than that is abnormal. When it comes to periods. Okay. So pain with your periods. You have pain in between periods. Just because it's so big, the uterus is now so big, mm-hmm. it's just bulk there. So it sits on your nerves and that's pain. Or it could be pain with intercourse because as things move, it's hitting the um, hitting the nerves. Mm. So those are the three types of pain you look for. Okay. The last or the, the next thing is 
if your abdomen starts to get bigger, right? Wow, okay. And you're working out and you're losing weight everywhere else, but your abdomen just continues to get bigger. Mm. A lot of women work out, starve themselves, diet, keto, vegan, and nothing happens. Well, that might be a fibroid because mm. fibroid is solid tissue. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have fat. So it doesn't matter if you lose fats or not. It's a solid tissue. Right, right. That's something. And I noticed that my mom used to say that, girl, you need to stop drinking wine because you're low, you got a little pooch. Mm. And oh, I'm a skinny okay, girl. Okay. So I thought, well, maybe because I'm 35 now. So maybe it's because I'm in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a little pooch. Like, Okay. Things happen, but then I realized that it was really the fibroids that were mm-hmm. pushing out my abdomen. The la- the last more so there are four really common things. So the last one mm-hmm. is if you are less than thirty five years old and you've been trying to get pregnant for a year, less than you've been having regular unprotected intercourse for a year, you haven't gotten pregnant, or if you're greater than thirty five and you are have been trying to get pregnant for six months, mm-hmm. you should get an evaluation. Mm. Fibroids don't necessarily cause infertility because lots of women get pregnant with fibroids in place. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they cause infertility, we will not have children, right? Because right. 80% of women are affected. True. But they, in specific women, if they're located in a specific place, they can cause infertility, subfertility. For instance, why I call it subfertility is... The sperm and the egg have met. Okay. Right? They meet in the fallopian tube, which mm-hmm. is outside of the uterus. And they come back into the uterus to implant. Mm-hmm. And there's no place to implant because there's a fibroid. That's right. So those that that tissue, even though that you technically were pregnant, mm-hmm. there was never an implantation. Got you. And if you hear sometimes people say, I had a chemical pregnancy or like my pregnancy hormone was up. Mm-hmm. But I really never was pregnant. Right. I never had a miscarriage. Sometimes that could be that. That could be that. Okay. So wow. I wanted you- to ask you. I wanted to ask you. I've heard many things about you know the reasons why we catch uh, we get fibroids. Can you tell me? I want to hear from a doctor's perspective. Like, what is the cause? The things that we eat. The things that we do. Is it a diet thing? Too much soda. So if I if I knew the answer to that, ah. um, I would be on the show. There you go. <laughs> They'd be paying me. They'd be paying you. Nobody, nobody, nobody <laughs> knows the answer to that. Now okay. there are lots of hypotheses, and there are some proven things. So number one, right? One of the the more plausible hypotheses uh-huh. is that because it's more it's more prevalent in Black women, right? So black, there's some things with black tissue that are a bit different, right? So number one is we keloid a lot more. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's a hypothesis that keloid formation is because your body is fighting hard to repair a cut. Oh. So it does it. It works so hard that it creates too much tissue because that's all a keloid is. It's, right. it's, too, it's hypertrophic tissue or too much tissue. So they think that that's kind of what's happening with fibroids is that, you know, through your periods, through life, you have some kind of assault mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your body's working really, really hard to fix it mm-hmm. and creates a fibroid. Mm-hmm. 
That's one hypothesis. Another hypothesis is when they were doing the gene mapping, I don't, I don't know if you remember the early 2000s when there was a lot, a lot of information about gene mapping, they were able to find some genes that are associated with fibroids and they're more prevalent in black, some gene mutations that are uh, associated with fibroids. So now, it's like genetics. Is it part yes, of the genetics, now, right? Okay. So genetics. So that so those both of those are both under the category of genetics. Now mm -hmm. there's another thing, another category, which is a lifestyle category, and the lifestyle category. That's what you were saying about drinking soda and things like that. Right. So we know for sure that some things affect fibroids. We know that red meat, red meat affects fibroids. We know that. Um, Caffeine mm. affects fibroids. We know that alcohol affects fibroids. Mm. But remember that we can't say they cause fibroids because of the nature of the way the uh, studies are done. Right. The studies are done, a woman has fibroids, and you go back and look at her lifestyle. Okay. So that's a retrospective study. Whenever you have something that's looking backwards, right. there's too many biases that you can't actually say that there's a cause and effect. You can only say there's an association. So everything I'm saying now is there's an association. I uh, got you, got okay. you. Okay. We know that women that have that are obese and morbidly obese tend to have more fibroids. Oh. But then look at my skinny little behind. I have fibroids. <laughs> and then you right? Right. So like there's there's right. no real way. There are people who tell you that they're vegan, they've never eaten meat, and they have humongous fibroids. Wow, for right? real. So really See? what what is that? Yeah, so that's why we say that it's multifactorial. Now, me going forward, because I've had fibroids, uh -huh. there is a way to live after fibroids because fibroids don't come back because they're solid tissue. Once they're gone, they're gone, mm -hmm. but new ones can form. Right. Because the same process that formed the first one can form the second one as long as you still have the tissue. So because of that, you have to say to yourself, do I make a decision to remove all these behavioral things that can cause me to have new fibroids form? Right. To somebody like me, I have taken out um, red meat from my diet. Okay. I have minimized caffeine. Okay. God help me, Jesus, when I can get to the point where I don't drink any alcohol. But for now, <laughs> okay. You need so that shot, I right? Okay. <laughs> Hey, after the kind of work we do, especially with COVID and yes. all these women having miscarriages and things mm -hmm. like that, it's, it's tough on the psychology of healthcare workers, but that's a different story. It's a different story. Yes. Wow. Okay. Let's say a woman has to have surgery. When a woman has a, the surgery to remove the fibroids, is it when they, they have to take out like all the womanly parts, like the ovaries, everything, is it something like that? What happens with surgery? So I still have a very, very active uterus. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. I just got an ultrasound. There you go. Okay, so, good. So, so procedures that that deal with fibroids. So fibroids, there are procedures, uh -huh. and then there's real surgery. Okay. So the three procedures we have right now are what we there's one that's done by radiologists called a uterine fibroid embolization or uterine artery embolization. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'll say that again. Uterine fibroid embolization or uterine artery embolization and what that is mm -hmm. is that you go to a radiologist and they do an mri of your pelvis that also maps all the blood vessels that feed those fibroids 
Okay. If they can access the, the blood vessels, they will go through your wrists or your groin. So you're going to go home with just a, a little like bandage over your wrists or okay. your groin. Okay. They're going to feed a catheter into the blood vessel and use little tiny pot, um, molecules to block off that blood vessel. Because remember, I told you that if a fibroid does not have, is not perfused, does not have blood, it's going to die. It's, it's going to die. Shrink. I got that. Yes. So that's what will happen. It will shrink. And the tissue around it will like collapse. That's one way. The second two, or the other two procedures, both mm. use radiofrequency energy. Okay. So what we do is we access the fibroid. I do both of these um, types of procedures, and they're uh -huh. called Assessa and Sonata. And so Assessa uses, it's actually a surgery, but it's a laparoscopic surgery. Mm -hmm. goes in through your, we put a camera in through your belly button, and we put in other tiny little instruments. One of the instruments, it looks like a dot, it's 3.5 millimeters. Mm. That's how tiny it is. And it goes into the fibroid, and it releases radiofrequency energy. So mm. what that does is in, it causes the fibroid cells to no longer be able to clone themselves. And so because they can't clone themselves, they end up collapsing. Ah. Nothing is taken out of your body, mm -hmm. all three procedures, and that's why I call them procedures. Okay. The other procedure that I told you, the radiofrequency um, ablation of fibroids called Sonata, actually has no incisions. Okay. You go into the vagina and you treat. Oh. So you can, as you can notice, all three of those women, or all three of those procedures will allow women to go home the same day. Okay. So outpatient be, type thing. Yeah. But, and okay. be effective to go back to work within a week. Okay. So that's, that's one. The, the problem with two of those procedures, the radio frequency ablations, is that most of them are not covered by insurance. Oh. And I am working really hard with my colleagues. I mean, mm. we're writing letters, we're petitioning because we really need them to now, be covered by insurance. What sense does that make? If, if we know the medical field knows that this is a big issue with women, like you said, you're telling me 50, 70, 80% of women are, are experiencing this, why wouldn't that be covered by insurance? Like, that doesn't make sense, but... That's another come story. Closer. Let me tell you a couple of secrets. Yeah, come on. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> so number one, women's health has not been focused on. Right. Not in research and not in funding. Okay. Number two, the blackity black women that yeah. are getting fibroids uh -huh. are not focused. Uh -huh. They're not the focus of the medical community. Number three is there is big business in medicine mm, medicine is a huge business and yes. the problem is that doctors have been the focus of this big business mm. however doctors are at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to business of medicine right, right. there's insurance companies there are hospital systems there are seals there's a whole c-suite that that enjoys the spoils of medicine of course so it's big dollars all of these things right. have to be have to be breached we have to prioritize women's health right we have to prioritize black women's health and the health disparities mm -hmm. and we have to expose the fact that although medicine can be a business it needs to be focused on patients first correct so that's that's what it is that is that is so true i've always said that medicine 
is the biggest business and money making and pharmaceutical and all that. They just making money like with this COVID. We're not even gonna go into COVID, but that's another story. But, but the uh, pharmacists and the doctors, if I if I tell you how much money I get reimbursed uh -huh. for even the things that are covered and how much the hospital gets reimbursed, right? I can tell you like to deliver a baby, doesn't uh -huh. matter how I deliver a baby, I'll never make two thousand dollars. Right. But the hospital will make over ten thousand dollars per day. So who is the person getting the money, and why am I the one? You doing why all the work. Everybody thinks doctors are getting all this big. We ain't getting no money. <laughs> if not, hey, I'll be living in living large. I hear not you. Like I, I hear you, doc. I hear you, doctor. For women, and, and I think you mentioned it earlier in the show, but I want to ask. I just want to clarify that when should women, other than like say if they don't have any symptoms, is this something they should just go and just get a regular checkup and say? Can you check me to see whether or not, because let's just say it runs, it's genetic. It runs in a family. Let's say a mother had uh, the fibroid problem and now you got a daughter who does not show any symptoms, but they want to be able to get regular checkups. Is that something they should do? Like, what is your recommendation? So there's a difference between my recommendation and the recommendation okay. right now. But there's a couple of things. You sounded actually really... Um, this is the first time in this interview that you sounded kind of anxious. Like, what should this? What should we do? That's yes. how every woman feels, right? Every woman feels what I, I mean, feel for y'all hey, women. I feel like I'm gonna get I'm, eight out of ten women are gonna have it. So how do I know? How do I know? Correct. Okay. Couple of things. Number one is the first thing we have to do is mm -hmm. mothers have to actually tell their kids what the heck they had. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the black community, we don't even. I know patients who don't know why they had a hysterectomy. So how are they going to be able to tell their kids right. why they had it when they don't even know? Right. 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 The first thing is we have to be open and honest with ourselves mm -hmm. as a community talking to each other mm -hmm. about what that's why I chose to share my story. Mm -hmm. I shared my story with my fibroids and I shared my story with um, with um, freezing my eggs. And I shared my story with my engagement breakup because mm -hmm. we don't talk about it. And everybody is hiding in shame about something that's not shameful. Right. That's the first thing. Number two is every woman asks me, Dr. Rumla, how could I have these huge fibroids? Mm -hmm. And I have been seeing my doctor every year for 10 years, for 20 years. Wow. I've been getting my pap smears. That's what they say. Okay. Now, a pap smear is very different from a pelvic exam. Okay. But... When you do an exam, if you're not a slim girl, it's very difficult to see or feel fibroids with fingers. Okay. Because there's a lot of, if you're big, right. there's a lot of layers of fat for us to get through mm -hmm. to get feel on your uterus. Okay. Right? So because I'm a fibroid specialist, everyone has fibroids until proven otherwise. So that's a very different, you're going to, I'm going to find your fibroids if you have fibroids. Mm -hmm. Okay. But not every gynecologist is a fibroid specialist. Gotcha, nor do gotcha. they care to be a fibroid specialist, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's babies to be delivered. There's a lot of other things to be done. There's past years to be done. I don't do all that. So when you, if you really want your fibroids checked out, to tell you the truth, I almost feel like you have to lie. Okay. You almost have to say, I have abnormal bleeding. Okay. I need to check if I have fibroids. Got you. And then once you say those key words, well, they have to do something about it. And ultrasound is going to be the first thing. Fortunately for us, ultrasounds are in almost every gynecologic office. Okay. Unfortunately for us, 
um, ultrasounds only pick up 30 to 70% of fibroids. I think it's more like 30 to 50% of fibroids. Okay, okay. So you can have a full ultrasound and not see the fibroids. Right. But it is better than not checking at all. I got you. Because you're going to see the big ones. You're going to see big ones. So if you have big ones, we're going to see them. When you mention that, what is the biggest fibroid you ever came across? Okay, let's not say... I personally have uh-huh. taken out a 22 centimeter fibroid. Wow. So 22 centimeters means that the person, the fibroid was as if you were 22 weeks. Because each centimeter is how how much you grow per week when you're pregnant. Wow. 22, so 22 centimeters is probably like this. That big? And I did that during residency. It was not my patient. I have to tell you that. It was not my patient. I went to a very fibroid heavy residency. Wow. Now, in residency also, I took out 69 fibroids with 69 fibroids in one woman. 69? Whoa. 69 fibroids. As a practitioner, not in residency, in my own practice, Mm -hmm. the most I have taken out is 43 fibroids. And I'll never forget her. She weighed 106 pounds. Wow. Because one of the things that we don't talk about is that fibroids for a normal woman can actually use a lot of your energy. Mm-hmm. So what you're eating is being used to grow these fibroids. So you remain tiny, but you look pregnant. Oh. So I, it's very, very interesting. And she, she is a very interesting story because she had been married from age um, 21. Uh-huh. And I met her when she was 37. So she was married at 21. She had never been able to conceive. And she actually came to me with her husband the first time. And by the time I saw her the next visit, he had left. Mm. He didn't leave because she couldn't have children. He left because her bleeding got a lot worse that they could not have intercourse. Mm. She used to tell me that it was, she had, she can't tell me how many, and this is a story by almost every heavy bleeder because of fibroids. You go through so many sheets. Some some women will not ever wear whites. There's actually a, a fibroid support group called uh, the White Dress Project. Okay. Because there are women who will never have a white dress because they're scared of like seeping through mm-hmm. or bleeding through. Um, and she... A lot of women will say, I feel like the essence of me is leaving. Mm. And that's a very interesting thing because we all know that there's life in blood and blood in life. Correct. So if you are bleeding so heavily, many women do feel like their essence is leaving them. It's a, it's a, it's a recurrent thing. And so I chose to get into this, this small niche of, um, gynecology uh-huh. before I knew I had fibroids Okay. because of how it affects the essence of a woman. Let me ask you, doctor, once they do go through surgery and let's say you remove all the fibroids, what are the, the likelihood or the chances of them having it, this again? We don't know or is it a likelihood? No, we know. The FDA quotes uh-huh. in general one in ten women who've had fibroids will have recurrent fibroids okay every fibroid specialist says once a fibroid former 
always a fibroid former. Mm, okay. So I say that very, as somebody that has fibroids, that's scary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I tell people who've had, and I should probably tell myself, that have had a myomectomy or removal of fibroids that you have a small window with which you should use your uterus if you intend to. So if you intend to have babies right. and you're 35 like me, you take out your, your fibroids, you should probably use your uterus to have babies soon, sooner rather than later, so that you can, if you, in, in the events that you are one of those women that form fibroids, that uh, you reform fibroids and they become symptomatic. Right. That if you have a hysterectomy, you have used your fi- your uterus for its intended purpose to carry babies. To carry the baby. Gotcha. So that would be my... Now, the other thing is I actually can tell some women, you're definitely going to have fibroids. If I'm taking out 43 fibroids from your body, uh, yeah, there are probably some microscopic ones I couldn't take out. So they're just going to grow because now they have space. Wow, doctor, I appreciate all the information that you shared with us. Women out there definitely need to pay attention to that. I know I'm married, and if I saw irregular bleeding cycle with my wife, I'd have been rushing. Uh, uh-uh, you got to go check, get checked out right now. So, you guys, uh, couples, married couples, just women in general, you know, please be aware of that because this is this is an issue that, like I said, it, you almost rounded off to 100 percent women. That will, I mean, it's the the percentage is real high on those who will get fibroids in your life. And doesn't matter if you're black, white, Latin, Chinese, Jamaican, Haitian, you know, you can get it. So thank can you, doctor. Can I interrupt you? Yes, go ahead, doctor. To say something. Yes. I want to actually thank you as a man for wanting to know this, right? One of the unsaid consequences mm-hmm. of fibroids is what I kind of alluded to speaking about this other woman. Mm-hmm. There are relationships that are destroyed over the inability to be intimate with each other because the woman is bleeding all the time. Now you can have sex while, while you're on your period. It doesn't hurt anything, but many people don't like it. Right. It, your, your, your brain doesn't like to smell blood in general. Right. So why would you smell it while having sex? Right. Right. So I do want to say that if you are in a relationship with a woman who is constantly bleeding to the point where you, you guys can't be intimate on a regular basis, mm-hmm. The normal periods are no more than seven days. Correct. If you have a woman who's spotting for 10 days, that's abnormal. Mm. So there should be no more than one fourth of a month where you cannot be intimate simply because of bleeding. Right. So if you have that, you need to, you need to, to point it out to your girlfriend, mm-hmm. to your lover, to your jump off. To your baby mama, your side piece, whatever you call them, right? You know, your little, your little situationship. You know, there you go. You, you need to let her know, like, hey, uh-huh. hey, babe, I think you need to see a doctor. Whatever, however you mean, still. There you <laughs> go. Hey, listen, let's go to the doc. Let's go to the doc. You know, <laughs> you know I heard this doc on the other day in a segment radio. And there you she, go. She was talking that. about some stuff. You need to go see your doctor. Like I said, you know, maybe I'm a different type of individual. I don't know. You know, I, I'm married. I love my wife. I wouldn't want to see her suffer. Anything that puts it in, in some kind of discomfort. We're one. If you're feeling discomfort, I feel discomfort. You get what I'm saying? So we have to make sure we check that out. So I do appreciate you. Any last words? You would like to say before we get out of here, anything you would like to mention before we get out of here? So one one thing I want to mention to every woman is find 
a doctor mm-hmm. that you trust, mm-hmm. your doctor needs to be your bestie. Like my friend, yes. my 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 um, patients where like we talk about everything. My patients tell me the craziest things, right? Wow. Because they trust me. And that way you can trust that if your doctor is telling you, I mean, I might have told one woman in my life that she needs a hysterectomy other than the women that have cancer. Right. That don't have cancer, just have fibroids. But she knew that that would, I'm telling you this because I would, if I had your situation, that's what I would want for myself. Mm -hmm. So you need a doctor who you love and you trust. And the second thing, I think, I know you said one thing, but the second thing is do not be afraid of a second, third, fourth opinion. There are women who come to me for their seventh opinion. Yes. They're 38 years old. Somebody has told them that they need a hysterectomy and I take out the, the fibroids and they are pregnant in a, month, in, a, in a year. Wow. So don't be afraid to, you're not, as much as you should love the doctors that you have, you are not married to them. Correct. So nobody's going to beat you if you go to a second opinion. Yes. I always okay? say that too. You should always get a second opinion with yes. doctors. Yes. Because, because medicine is an art as much as it is a science. Yes, it is. So you should not take it like one doctor is going to say the exact same thing as the other doctor. Is That's not true because our experiences are different. There you go. Oh, man. Round of applause, doctor. Round of applause. <laughs> Let me get my applause. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. Please, doc. Dr. Arumala, please let them know where they can, if any women that's tuned in and they're in your area, please let them know how they can maybe contact you. Let them know that information, please. So currently I'm not doing any fibroid surgery for another year because Mm -hmm. I'm a fellow. So I still have to do all my fellowship stuff, but I can be reached. I answer a lot of questions. Now I want to say this. I cannot legally answer any specific questions because i'm not your doctor gotcha. however i can in generality tell you give you an opinion right gotcha. so you can dm me i am on instagram as i.am.dr.arumala that is i am dr rumala and i respond to i mean i respond to almost everybody that's good. Except the guys try to holler at me, they get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> All the future. They be like, Doc, what you doing tonight? Single, but I still, I can't do it. I ain't got time. There you go. They be like, Doc, what you doing tonight? You know, I'm, I'm free. You know, you free. Not you. <laughs> well, not me. I'm just saying that's how they DM no, me. Saying, you. Not, not <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not okay. so silly. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much, Doctor. Continue, you know, educating people. Continue spreading the information. We appreciate you. And we love to do these type of shows here on Excitement Radio because we like to inform. We like to educate. Please continue. And anytime you're in South Florida, please come visit myself, Shy Will. Shy Will, you have anything to say yes, to the doctor? Thank you so much for getting back to me because it, it's been going on back and forth. And I'm like, finally, we're going to make it happen, you know? Yes. But I my appreci- assistants block my, my, they guard my Gmail with the, with their lives. They're there you great go. at it. No, I get so many, we get so many good. approaches. But um what I what I will say is um so you know that uh hotel that's also a condo called the one? Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. You coming so down? That that's 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 a that's a that's a twenty twenty one a twenty twenty two goal. I need 
a, a, a unit in there. That's, ah. a, that's a nice spot. I love, so y'all pray to God that I make the millions that I need to make to be there you go. <laughs> you'll do it. You're, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. No problem. Yes. You're going to do it. Trust me. You're going to do it. You, you have, you're smart. You, you got it going on. You got that niche. That's the thing too. You got that niche. You're specializing in this field, which like you said, you can ed- educate a lot of people. So continue doing what you do. Stay blessed and prosperous. Yes. And come Thank see you. us soon. <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you. you. You have a good day now. You too. All right. Round of applause for the doctor right there. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>